bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Halloween, Tuesday, October 31st, 2017. Seven years ago this week, HUD published proposed regulations governing the National Housing Trust Fund. The Housing Trust Fund was created by the Housing and Economic Recovery Act of 2008, and was created to provide states with grants to preserve and expand the supply of rental housing and to increase home ownership for extremely low and very low-income families. The Housing Trust Fund, however, didn't start receiving annual funding by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac until last year. 2016. And unfortunately, going into next year, 2018, there are concerns about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's ability to continue funding the trust fund. The concern is due to the fact that their capital buffers are mandated to fall to zero on January 1, 2018. That means, starting next year, should Fannie and Freddie suffer significant losses in any quarter, They will need funding from the U.S. Treasury. FHFA Director Mel Watt and others have warned Congress that Fannie and Freddie need some kind of buffer to guard against short-term operating losses. Congressional Republicans have said they would address housing finance reform, but, as we know, the focus right now is on enacting tax reform. And speaking of tax reform, in today's podcast, I'll talk about the major tax bill that's expected to be released tomorrow, Wednesday, and the legislative hurdles that were cleared to get to this point. After that, I'll discuss a proposal to combine various tax credits into one program and why I think that's a bad idea. I'll wrap up today's podcast with other tax credit-related headlines, including the nomination status of three HUD appointees. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, I want to start off with a brief tax reform update. I will have more detail for you next week. And that's because House Republicans are expected to release tax reform legislation tomorrow, Wednesday. That's right. Republicans are about to release a long-awaited tax reform bill. As you'll recall, the Republican tax reform framework was released in September. But before Republican leaders could move forward on an actual tax bill, a joint budget resolution needed to be passed. That obstacle was finally overcome last week in two-step fashion. First, Senate Republicans passed a $4 trillion budget blueprint October 19th on a vote of 51 to 49. Second, the House this past Thursday narrowly approved the same budget, 216 to 212. 20 Republicans voted against the budget resolution, and House Speaker Paul Ryan had to cast a rare vote just to make sure it passed. Speaker Ryan said the budget provides, and I quote, a legislative runway for pro-growth tax reform, close quote. More specifically, the budget resolution allows the Senate to pass tax legislation with a simple majority, 51 votes 
rather than the 60 volt minimum normally required to avoid a filibuster. As I've said, House Republicans plan to release tax legislation tomorrow, Wednesday, with the goal of sending the bill to the Senate as soon as possible so it can be signed by the president by the end of this calendar year. Now, that's an aggressive timeline, and there's much work to be done. House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady announced his committee will hold a market for the tax bill next Monday, November 6th. And the Senate expects to be about a week behind the House. That's according to Senator John Cornyn, the number two Senate Republican who also serves in the Senate Finance Committee. Senator Cornyn told reporters that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell plans to keep the Senate in session through its week-long Thanksgiving recess to pass the tax plan. Again, I'll have more details for you on what's included in the actual tax bill in next week's podcast. There should be a lot of information and a lot of details to be provided. Also, I'd like to encourage you to follow me on Twitter. Some details of the tax bill have already begun to emerge, and as I've learned of them, I tweet them out. So my Twitter feed is a good way to access breaking tax reform news. Also, we're rolling out a new website. It's a page as part of www.nivico.com to help you track tax reform. It's titled the Tax Reform Resource Center. It'll be live sometime over the next 24 or so hours. And the website is www.taxreformresourcecenter.com. Once again, www.taxreformresourcecenter.com. It'll be your go-to web location for current as well as historical tax reform news and commentary. Now, on the subject of tax reform, I promised last week that I would discuss in today's podcast one of the proposals being circulated for tax reform. I'm talking about the idea of combining low-income housing tax credits, new markets tax credits, and historic tax credits into one tax credit. This is an idea that some members of Congress have suggested. On the surface, a combined tax credit program might seem like a streamlined way to keep these incentives in the tax code. However, those of us who work with these programs see a multitude of reasons why combining them would be problematic. Such suggestions lose sight of the fact that each program can be thought of as a tool that's used to address a particular societal need. Combining all the tools into one would make them less effective in addressing those needs. It would be like combining a hammer with a screwdriver and a set of pliers. I can't actually imagine what that tool would look like, but I know it wouldn't work for the construction industry. And such a combination wouldn't work for tax credit programs either. So if you think about the three programs that are often mentioned as being combined, the loan housing tax credit is designed to spur affordable rental housing. The historic tax credit is designed to incentivize historic preservation. And the new markets tax credit incents investment in distressed areas. And the fundamental reason why they should not be consolidated is they are intended to serve different purposes. And since each of these programs are designed for different purposes, they're naturally administered by different federal and state agencies. The low-income housing tax credit is administered by the IRS and state housing finance agencies. The new markets tax credit is administered by Treasury and the CDFI fund. And the historic tax credit is jointly overseen by the National Park Service, with state historic preservation offices conducting initial project reviews. The administration and oversight of each of these tax credit programs is by program administrators who are uniquely positioned to oversee their specific programs. If a single entity were put in charge of overseeing all three programs, you'd lose the expertise of the other administrators. 
For example, the National Park Service isn't equipped to underwrite an affordable housing transaction any more than the CDFI fund has the resources to determine whether a historic preservation project meets standards of the Secretary of the Interior. Conversely, if all three agencies had to be involved uh, in all tax credits and all projects, then the administrative burden would increase dramatically without corollary benefits. Yes, we know both the long housing tax credit and the new market tax credit can be combined with the historic tax credit in certain cases. However, even in those cases where goals of the tax credits are complementary, they're still not the same. The agencies that currently oversee each program have missions that are unique to them. State housing agencies work to provide greater access to housing. The CDFI fund aims to bring jobs and capital investments to economically underserved areas. And the National Park Service and state district preservation offices focus on saving historic buildings. Simply put, each program has a unique purpose and works precisely because it is targeted and specialized. That's why it's important for those of us in the affordable housing, community development, and historic preservation communities to help lawmakers understand the distinctions between the tax credits and the dangers of treating them like the same program. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter. What do you think about the idea of combining affordable housing, community development, and historic preservation into a single tax credit program? Let me know your opinion by emailing cpas at novaco.com. Turning now to other headlines, last week, the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs held a hearing on the nominations for three positions in HUD. Brian Montgomery to be head of the Federal Housing Administration, Robert Kurtz to serve as Assistant Secretary for Public and Indian Housing, and Susan Tufts for Assistant Secretary for Administration. Once the committee advances the nominations, the full Senate will vote to confirm the nominees. Also last week, HUD announced a 120-day extension for low-income housing tax credit properties that are in 2015 difficult development areas and qualified census tracts. You can see the HUD announcement at www.hudresourcecenter.com. And if you have questions about QCTs and difficult development areas and the transition from 2015, 2016, 2017 uh, designations, contact Thomas Stagg in our Washington office. And in historic preservation news, the National Trust for Historic Preservation last week released a video that includes a clip of former President Ronald Reagan voicing his support for the federal historic tax credit. Here's a snippet of what Reagan said from the National Trust video. Across America, people are getting the message. Our tax credits have made the preservation of our older buildings not only a matter of respect for beauty and history, but of economic good sense. Learn more at savingplaces.org. Finally, looking ahead to next week, the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, or ACHP, will hold its next quarterly meeting on November 9th. The ACHP advises the President and Congress on National Historic Preservation Policy. A copy of the agenda can be found online at www.historictaxcredits.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. In case you missed it, the 10th anniversary edition of the Novograd Tax Credit Tuesday podcast is now available for download. This special episode aired last week and it includes highlights from the past decade, as well as excerpts from our first, very first podcast featuring then CDFI Fund Director Kimberly Reed. We also featured special messages from former Congressman Rick Lazio, David Gasson of Boston Capital and Housing Advisory Group, Mel Hubengardner, 
of the National Housing Community Investment Corporation, and Michael Badakin of the National Housing Trust. The episode is available on iTunes and at www.novaco.com podcast. And as noted earlier, please be sure to check out www.taxreformresourcecenter.com for the latest in tax reform news. This website will go live over the next 24 hours or so. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company, LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.